When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody, welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Jeremiah Searles for Tuesday Morning Left Guard, which is actually now on a Wednesday. We got pushed back by Monday Night Football, and maybe we have regrets about watching what happened on Monday Night Football, but uh, we're going to talk about it anyway. Jeremiah, have you recovered emotionally after watching the Vikings lost to the Chicago Bears? You know, between having to watch the Nebraska-Iowa game on Friday and then watching basically Nebraska versus Iowa NFL-style Monday night, no, I haven't. I still just, I look at these two helmets sitting here right next to me, you know, two former alma maters, proud to be a Viking, proud to be a Husker, and then you watch those games and you go, yuck. Like, that sucked. Like, that just was awful, right? And my buddy Alex Boone was at the game, and he was like, dude, it was worse in person. Like, I was like, I don't know. how It, it was just such a bad performance all the way around. And now there's so many more questions than answers. But it's just, I don't know. It was just such a weird game to watch and go, is this really happening? Or is like, is this who this team is? And everything, like the chickens are coming home to roost and flying high is over? Or like, was this a bad game? I don't know, man. It just, that was so not what I expected. I knew it wasn't going to be a blowout because the Bears have been playing better. But never in my wildest dreams that I think I was going to watch what I watched Monday night. I had a feeling that at some point we were going to run into the bad Dobbs version uh, because that's just his history and that's just the history of backup quarterbacks is usually they can have spurts and runs of good showings and then uh, at some point it's going to hit the skids and that's how it goes. Uh, I did not expect it to be that bad. And the thing is, though, when you go back and watch it, it was just it was not all Josh Dobbs. No, I think it was not the greatest game plan in the world for Josh Dobbs. It might have been the greatest game plan in the world for Kirk Cousins, but I don't think it was fit very well to Josh Dobbs. Uh, I also believe that running the football all the time is fine if, if it's working. And instead, it was just like, no pass just mash the pass button alexander madison's looking the quickest that he's looked all year and it was like eh, okay back to the pass though uh jordan addison had a really tough time in that game we praised jordan addison a lot he deserves it he's had a very good year but there were a few plays in that game where it just didn't look like he was sharp and then he said so after the game to our buddy andrew kramer of the star tribune he basically said like he felt like he's been playing well but that was not a good game for him. And also something that I'd like you to speak to the offensive line. The last two weeks has really been beaten up. I tend to believe this is a matter of being worn down. I've never seen a bye week this, this late. I don't think you actually can have a bye week any later than this. Uh, so a lot played into this. And now Kevin O'Connell's talking about potentially changing quarterbacks. Uh, that might be an overreaction. I don't know. I don't think so. You know, I think 
the main reason I say that is because we haven't truly seen Hall yet. Right, we got to see a, a a quick glimpse of him before he got rocked out of this world and welcomed to the NFL in the worst way imaginable, right? But there's still a piece out there of where are we as a team? Are we rebuilding? Are we competing? Are we going forward? You know, after this loss and really the last two losses, you're kind of the the playoffs seem to be farther and farther and farther away, right? They're still there because the NFC on the bottom half is a mess. You know, but like the playoffs are still there, but you almost have to kind of switch into a, a mode now to the evaluation of your roster piece, right? What are we truly doing at the quarterback position? You now had multiple weeks where Josh Dobbs been the starter. You've seen the good, you've seen the bad, and you've seen the ugly, right? Let's see what we drafted in the fifth round and see what he can be and see what he's what his good, bad, and ugly is, right? There's still time, and if that's really ugly, we can always go back to Josh Dobbs, right? Like I do think that there's some there's some. I mean, Nick Mullins, I think, is still in the mix somewhere in there, too. You know, there's some options at quarterback to give ourselves a chance, but it is not fair to pin the whole thing on Dobbs. You know, we've sung the praises of these two tackles all year long, rightfully so. They're both incredible. They probably had their worst game of the year. I mean, Montez Sweat had, woo, he had a, he had a day on Monday night. He knew the world was watching. He knew the cameras were on, and he was in his bag. And that's tough to do when you're playing against a guy like that. But, you know, Brian O'Neill and Darisol will probably be the first to admit not their best performance. And when you have a backup quarterback, and we talked about this, I think, two, three weeks ago when Josh Dobbs was making his first start, everyone has to elevate their game. Everyone has to be on their, their A game all the time because the margin for error has shrunk even more when you don't have your starting franchise quarterback. And he didn't have a ton of help around him at times. You know, and like you said, the game plan was iffy. But I don't think it's an overreaction to say we got to see what else we have on this roster. We got to see what else we have moving into next year. And maybe it's the spark we need. Maybe it's not. But if we don't try it, then we'll never know. Okay, let me just try to work through how this would be an overreaction. In the last three weeks with Josh Dobbs, a quarterback, they were a top six offense in scoring and yards with, with Dobbs. And I know that a lot of that took running and scrambling magic, and that's something that comes along with high variance. Like some weeks that's going to work, some weeks it's not going to work. That's been talked about forever in the NFL. Can you really win with a guy who relies right. on his legs and not just you know not a complete quarterback like Hertz or or Lamar Jackson who adds a scrambling element? But Dobbs has to be a runner for them to succeed. And what we saw was. Uh, uh, the, the Chicago bears do a really good job of keeping him from doing that. Okay. That that's, that's, that's fine. One terrible, terrible game, but the three games before that, all two of them were wins. The other one should have been one against the Denver Broncos and Josh Dobbs played well enough to win that game. And, And if you look at the schedule going forward, you have two backup quarterbacks coming up here. And then you only have to win one out of three division games to get into the playoffs. I I mean, it it felt as horrible as it could possibly feel. But this is also how the NFL works sometimes where you just and especially if you don't have Patrick Mahomes or you don't have a a star quarterback, it has felt this time this way with Kirk Cousins. I mean, Mm. how about the last time they went to Chicago? Here's a stat for you. (laughs) Here's a stat for you. What does this stat mean? (laughs) Kirk Cousins in Chicago produced fewer offensive yards total than Josh Dobbs did the other night. They had 220 versus 242. And then what happened after that? They came back and had strong performances. So, I mean, I understand where Kevin O'Connell's coming from. And I think if they're making a switch, it's probably to Mullins and not Jaron Hall because they want Mm. to make the playoffs. I don't believe they went to evaluation mode, but 
I mean, the bad weeks, bad games when you don't have a top quarterback happen in the NFL. And I think they could come out of this healthier and refreshed and still win with Dobbs. But I also think that O'Connell's probably going to make a change here. I get so torn on this because Dobbs, you have to, we have to remember Dobbs is not KOC's guy. Right? I don't think there's a ton of loyalty where Dobbs has this long leash with KOC where it's like, oh, that's okay, man. We'll just pull you back in a little bit. Things will be well. Like, I do think that they traded basically nothing for him. He came in and his leash is very short. Does that mean he gets yanked? I don't know, but that can't happen again. And there's been too many instances of the roller coaster. The roller coaster that is Josh Dobbs. And you, if you're talking about your quarterback, starting quarterback being a roller coaster, it's a gamble every single week. It's a coin flip. Right. I mean, you look around the league, how many guys have careers that have been just up and down and 28 fantasy points, minus eight fantasy points. Like, and like that's just all based off stats. But the fear of a coach is if I keep putting this out there without a consistency of what am I going to get, I'm going to get murdered. Like, I'm going to get murdered in the next coming weeks because it's like, you didn't think that was coming? It's like, I didn't know what was coming. I, I don't know week to week to basis of what I'm throwing out there. Of Like, am I going to get the dude that looks like Lamar Jackson at times? Or am I going to get the dude that looks like Zach Wilson? Right? Like, I don't, I don't know. And I think KOC doesn't want to live in that world anymore. And it's going to be up to Dobbs to prove to him during the week. And we talk about the week, right? The preparation. He's got to have a great bye week practices before they break. And then when he comes back, he has to look super sharp. Or I do think, yeah, we're going to go for a change here. And as much as the playoffs are right there in front of us, I worry about can this defense keep sustaining, right, with the amount of plays that they're being asked to play. Because when you have poor offensive performances, you're three and outs a lot. You have quick interceptions. I mean, I, I looked at the final play count. It was a lot to a little um, with Chicago's offense to our offense, you know, and so that starts bringing in the the wearing the defense out down the stretch here, and and all that stuff comes into play when you just don't have an offense that's clicking. Uh, let me let me make a metaphor here for like the, the quarterback. Yeah, and this one is genius. So prepare yourself mm. for how brilliant this is going to be. Mm. So the the two quarterbacks that they have, and and I'm putting Hall to the side here because I just don't think they're okay. I don't think they're going to go into that evaluation mode yet. Now, if they were to lose the next two games and they're out of the playoff race, then okay, play Jaron Hall. Of course, I totally agree with that. But it sounds like they're looking for improvement, not for, hey, let's just find out what this rookie can do. And I also like the one drive he had, but I don't really know. How, but the, the sample size that I saw in training camp, the sample size I saw in preseason was a guy that needs more development in my mind and is probably more along the backup lines. So I think we're talking about Dobbs versus Nick Mullins. Mullins. Let's say let's say you're driving on a road that is a 60 miles an hour is the speed limit. Okay. Okay. Josh Dobbs is 90 miles an hour. Da very dangerous all over the place. Could get you there faster and be great. Mm. Could also crash into a telephone pole. <laughs> Nick Mullins is 40 miles an hour and someone else just crashes into him anyway. It's just as dangerous. You think it's not as dangerous. So I go, he's playing it safe. He's going 40 miles an hour. Now let me give you a stat to show you that it might be even more dangerous to play the safe quarterback and drive 40 miles an hour. The last time Nick Mullins started regularly in the NFL was the year 2020. He started eight games. 
Now, in that season, there were 29 quarterbacks who threw over 300 passes in the National Football League. Out of 29, PFF graded Nick Mullins 29th with the 49ers. So it's not like he was playing with uh, Urban Meyer, his coach, or something. This is Kyle Shanahan, 29th out of 29, and the man has thrown 23 interceptions in 17 career starts. I fail to see how this is less dangerous, but I just don't see any real upside to it because when things go wrong, he can't run away and potentially score a touchdown that looks awesome like Josh Dobbs can. So let me ask you this. Are you on the Josh Dobbs train? Are you on the let's ride this dude to the end? Are you on the like, let's see what we can do? Or are you in the KOC camp of let's reevaluate and see what we can do? I am very much on the side of start Josh Dobbs the rest of the way and just try to hold your nose when it doesn't go well, because Mm. the higher end of that is you can score 30 points in a football game. I don't know that the higher end of that is Nick Mullins, but I will, I'll give you this, that the thing that KOC kept going back to in his press conference was Justin Jefferson, who can get Jefferson the ball the best. And I think what he's looking at is, Mullins understands the timing and the rhythm of the offense and the footwork and how everything is supposed to go. But when you have a two out of 10 arm strength, I'm not sure that that's going to matter. Like, I don't mean to insult Nick Mullins. He is, he is great. This guy is, I mean, really great. Like to have a career in the NFL, to be a reliable backup that, that takes a lot for a guy who is never considered a prospect. Yeah, yeah, I have completely uh, agree. Everyone knows utmost respect for guys like him. A plus dude. But look, if we're doing if we're doing Madden, the NFL ratings, is the NFL. Yeah, the NFL right. is what the NFL right. is, man. It, right. it is what it is. There's no it is what it is. I was a backup guard and got cut because I sucked. Yeah, it happens. Only the one time. The, the, the Only the one time. The, the, the other the time you time. the other time you were too expensive. So let's focus on yes, the positive. That's fair. That's I, fair. I guess what, what I'm saying is I totally, totally understand where Kevin O'Connell is coming from. We need the guy to run my offense, my scheme. My scheme works for Justin Jefferson but you might not get the results you think when the guy doesn't have the arm to make some of those throws anyway. The the bye week is the, this probably is the turning point for moving on from Dobbs or not though, because if you give Nick Mullins two weeks to be the guy, you're going to give him a chance, right? But I don't think it'd be fair to Nick Mullins to not make a change during the bye week this week and then come in on Monday next week and be like, you're up, let's see what you got. Right. Versus it's the same thing for Dobbs, right? Like, hey, Dobbs, you got two weeks to figure this out. Right. I think they have to make a decision and we won't know. Right. Us on the outside looking in, we'll have no idea. But I do think that decision is going to be made today. I mean, it's Wednesday. I think today the decision, they've talked about it yesterday. They know they have a couple practices here probably today and then they get off tomorrow. Today will probably be the decision point of KOC in this offense of we're moving to see what we got in Nick Mullins or Dobbs. This is your show. You wreck it again. Your leash is even shorter. And you make a great argument. I think that metaphor is a great example. And it's one that even I fall into of like the safer choice, sometimes the better choice, right? Because turnovers are the death of any team in the NFL. It doesn't matter if you're the best offense or the worst offense. If you turn the ball over, you're going to lose. And that's what scares me a little bit with Dobbs with the flying fast and loose at times. And you think about the Mullins of, yeah, but he's not just going to like try and squeeze it in there because he can. But if you're going to get strip sacked because you're sitting in the pocket for six and a half seconds, then is that any better? Right. And I, it is a conundrum and it is one of those things, but I think you have talked me into like, I was more on the side of let's, 
let's let's give it someone else. Let's see what we can do. But you make very compelling arguments, Matthew. I I think I'm I think I'm sitting in your camp now. Of let's ride the horse we got and see what happens. Uh, there's another question of how much does it matter? Does it does it mm. matter who you pick? Because driving too fast or driving too slow is not driving the right speed either way. <laughs> and I I don't know. I honest I truly don't know with either player if you make the playoffs. At this point, even with Jefferson coming back, if you're going to play like that, and I totally agree with you when it comes to the um, the defense, where if you're just asking them to do this every week, that eventually they're going to have a bad game just by the law right. of averages. They've had so many good games in a row. They're going to have a bad game. And we're going to go, wait, they let Aiden O'Connell go for 400 yards or Jake Browning or something. But that, again, that's what happens in the NFL is that you can't just unless you're the the Ravens or something, the number one defense in the NFL, you can't just week after week after week do this. So does it matter who they pick at quarterback? Yes, it does, because the NFL, you can't win with a bad quarterback. You just can't. And if one of those is better or worse, then you have to give yourselves the better opportunity each and every week because we're seeing it. Look at Jake Browning. I mean, buddy, I get it. You're a backup quarterback, but the Bengals probably should have won that football game. right? They, they should have won that football game. And you start talking about a backup quarterback, Tim Boyle's starting in the NFL, right? Tim Boyle, he's no disrespect, but he's terrible, right? Like, it's just you look around the mediocre quarterback play that's in this league, and if you're just going to straight up put Nick Mullins and Josh Dobbs right next to each other and go, who gives this team the best chance to win? You have to go with whatever you truly believe, and I don't know who they truly believe that is, but it does matter because that's the message to your team. Right, that's how you can lose a locker room. It's how you cannot lose a locker room. Like those, those type of decisions that sometimes are strictly based off of business, sometimes they're politics. But the players feed into those decisions a lot inside that locker room too. Of if they all have belief in Josh Dobbs right now and they want Josh Dobbs, and all of a sudden KOC and Quasi say we're going Nick Mullins, you start a rift and you start a baby tear, and it just looks tiny, but that thing can really rip really fast if things go south and versus if you can kind of swallow your pride as a coach and as a front office and listen to your team if you have Jefferson and Addison and Hawk and they're all like hey I kind of want to ride with Dobbs man I think he gives us the best chance then that matters because KOC's done a great job keeping this locker room together through the turmoil that has come through it'd be really hard for me to think that he's going to rip it apart now based off of who he starts at quarterback and not listen to the leaders on his team. Folks, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about prize picks this year, but if you've missed it, here's how it works. You go to prizepicks.com, and it is simple. You pick either more or less between two and six player stat projections, and that's it. Now you're playing. So if it's X number of yards for a quarterback, you just decide, are they going to throw for more or less than that number of yards? But it works with lots of different options, receiving yards, touchdowns, even field goals, all sorts of sports as well. Prizepicks.com slash purple. Go there. Use the code purple for the first deposit match up to $100. One of the reasons I like prize picks, it is very simple to use. You'd see how we do it on the show real quick and easy. And then we talk about our picks and also not expensive either you can turn ten dollars into 250 by nailing just a couple of picks so go to prizepicks.com purple the code purple daily fantasy sports made easy from a perspective of koc it would be very hard not to be 
really angry after what happened against the Bears. Yes. You should have won against the Broncos, and then you come back. You should have won against the Bears. They gave you every opportunity to do it, and you just kept giving the football away. And Dobbs couldn't time out the offense. So even when they weren't throwing interceptions, if they were doing well otherwise, it would have been okay, actually, because the defense uh, was able to hell, uh, hold Chicago to all those field goals. You still had every opportunity to win and didn't do it. That's one where you walk in after the game and you know flip a table or something. It's uh, That was mm -hmm. so frustrating. I wanted to flip a table, actually. It was so frustrating to watch. Uh, but there is a dynamic here with Kevin O'Connell and this locker room. And I think his perception as well with Vikings fans, which is starting to slip a little bit in the last two weeks. Now this is where I do not ride this roller coaster. I feel the same way that I've always felt about Kevin O'Connell. I do not think we should start putting him uh, next to bill Belichick in the hall of fame. Uh, but I, because you got, you know, you got to win, you got to win some playoff games and so forth. I feel very steady with where the organization is with Kevin O'Connell. And I think if Kirk cousins was the quarterback right now, they would probably be seven and five or better. Uh, yeah. and, and, and look, I'm not going to judge every single minute detail of what a coach does when a backup quarterback is in there because everyone gets exposed when they don't have great quarterback play. However, I'd like you to speak more to the handling of this entire situation, whether it's the game plan or whether it's some of the in-game decision-making, the lack of aggressiveness, deciding to be super aggressive at one point and then not super aggressive at another point. And now you have a quarterback decision on your hands. This seems like a five-game stretch that's really important for Kevin O'Connell. Yes, you nailed it. You know, And it's really important not just for this season it's really important for the coming seasons right we've got to see the best out of kevin o'connell this year right we've got to see the best of how he managed with dobbs how he rallied this team together from when they were started the year off so poorly and now you get to see how does he handle multiple internal decisions that can be really difficult to have how does he handle that as well as handling his on the field duties as well as handling the play calling like all of it is starting to compile on KOC's plate. And that's a really hard place to be as a head coach. It's a really hard place to be because your time, there's only 24 hours in a day, right? There's only so much time you can allocate to all of those decisions. And this is where he needs to rely a little bit on his staff. I think this is a big time where he needs to start learning. The greatest head coaches are great delegators. They're great at it, right? You see the guys that try and do too much. I think back to Bill O'Brien down in Houston, right? I'm the GM. I'm the head coach. I'm the this. I'm that. And it just eventually exploded up in his face. KOC at times can go, I'm the head ball coach. Everything comes into my plate, and I have final say. But you need to trust your coordinators. You need to trust your positional guys and really start to delegate some of that stuff and focus on some of the bigger picture issues, which is right now the locker room. That is, if I'm listing out priorities of what the next five weeks look like from if I'm in KOC shoes, the number one thing I'm working at is the quarterback decision is going to affect the locker room. It just is. It always does. It's the focal point of your team. How do I manage that? Right. And then once I manage that, then the next point that I'm going to need to manage is how do I build a better game plan for whatever quarterback I put in there? Right. I know they need to operate my offense and my scheme, but I have to be able to not do square pay ground hole. And I need to be able to morph and pivot and be able to work like that to give him in the best situation possible. And then all those things, if you start with those two issues, I think the rest of the issues of the, the figuring out the game day stuff, the clock management, 
the the aggressiveness, the non-aggressiveness start to take care of itself a little bit because when you see a coach that's aggressive, not aggressive, and all over the map, it's just a lack of trust in his in his play in his play caller. And that, and play caller meaning the quarterback, right? The gunslinger. Right. When you when you kind of bounce back and forth, it's because you don't have the trust, the full one hundred percent trust in that quarterback to operate what you need done in that moment. And so as a play call, you can kind of panic a little bit. Right. And I think back to right after the fumble of the Justin Fields fumble right at the end of the fourth quarter, I was like, Oh, well, Fields is worse than us, so therefore we're gonna win this game. Fantastic, right? And then you see like a run, then kind of a pass, and then a run. It's like, well, what was your plan going into that moment? And I don't think KLC had one because Dobbs had thrown the football to the other team a lot. You know, there, there's just all these internal conflicts going on in KOC's mind of like, I don't know what to do here because I don't have full trust in my quarterback. And in in in-game moment, and when things are happening on a 40-second clock, it causes a little bit of internal panic, which I did see from him for maybe the first time this year of like a true like, whoa, you don't really know what's going on right now. Or like, you don't really have a bead or a pulse on what you want to do. And it ended up backfiring on him. You know, and so I'll be curious to see how he grows from a coach and a play caller here, but he's got a lot of soul searching to do over this next bye week to figure out how he wants to come back and be the leader of this team for the next five weeks. Here's another question. Is it a mistake to have revealed that they're considering moving uh, Dobbs to the bench and someone else in? Uh, do, or, or do you think that that's fine, that that's out there? I, I think it's fine. You know, I think... I don't think Dobbs came in here knowing that he was the guy, right? And as we've seen with Ed Ingram, when you bring Dalton Reisner in, elevates his play a little bit. As you see, when you bring other people into different positions, all of a sudden some guys start realizing, oh, I may be, uh, I may be on the chopping block. I better get my together, right? Like, And I do think that he didn't say it in a manner of like, F Josh Dobbs, he's gone. Right, like he basically was like, "We'll reevaluate that position because we know we have to play better at that position." Any competitor that's ever played at any NFL, NBA, MLB, the highest level of any performance, knows that if you don't perform, it's a "What have you done for me lately?" League. No one cares what Josh Dobbs did against Atlanta. No one cares. That was great. It was fun to write about. It's fun to talk about the talking heads. All of that. Nobody in that building gives a crap about that right now. All they care about is what you did against the Bears because you said, what have you done for me lately, league? How do you help my team win? And as a player, you understand that. And so I'm fine with it. I don't think Dobbs took offense to it. You know, it does leave something for us to talk about during bye week, which I'm totally cool with, you know, but as far as in, internally, I think he probably expected it. I think he probably expected it. Um, and I do think KOC went about it the right way of he didn't do the the Mike Zimmer approach of like, well, if you, I've seen him. I've seen him for two weeks. He sucks, right? Like he did it from a respectful and from a point of view of, hey, this is just me saying we have to get better at this position. And I had no issue with it. I, I agree with you. And I have seen the opposite side of that approach with Case Keenum, of course, over yeah. multiple weeks talking about, how Case Keenum is just getting lucky, and how, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, now that, I don't know how we're doing it, man. I don't. He's awful. I don't know how we're winning every week. And uh, Mike Zimmer learned. Uh, well, n he never actually learned from that, but <laughs> I, but but I learned a valuable lesson in my life that sometimes being right is not always the most important thing. I guess there mm. because of course Mike Zimmer was right. Case Keenum did throw the bad interception in the Minneapolis Miracle game. That of course everything else is forgotten. 
And then in Philadelphia, that one is not forgotten. Uh, that was brought back for uh, a touchdown there. So, you know, uh, sorry to, to rip open that wound, but mm. uh, Mike Zimmer was right about that. And Kevin O'Connell is right about this, that Josh Dobbs is not a guy who's going to play in time perfectly with your offense. And I guess that's the other part of the Kevin O'Connell question is, should you not be trying to run your entire offense? I know it's hard to have this downfield, complicated route concepts, deep digs and everything else going on and, and all that. And then just be like, no, actually we're going to run quick slants. Like that, that's not how it works. It's not Madden where you just like, oh, let me just get a new playbook that I could just yeah. call in. Like this is the offense that you implemented for all other 10 players on the football field. At the same time, when he's throwing it, quickly when he's not under pressure he's doing okay uh and uh, you know at least by the the grading when he's not getting pressured a lot of these dropbacks are deep and you have to sit in the pocket and if there is pressure or if he is does have to rush or if he does have to throw with anticipation it's not always his best thing it's like this was built for Kirk Cousins so I, I, there's a part of me that says can we adjust this over the break not really is probably the answer, mm -hmm. though. And, that, and that's the thing. It, it ends up being, and this is why I asked you, what, does it matter? Because it feels like you're in between a rock and a hard place here with whatever quarterback you play. Nick Mullins is going to throw interceptions because he can't put any heat on the football. Josh Dobbs is going to throw interceptions because he doesn't know your offense that good and he's Josh Dobbs. And, uh, you know, Jaron Hall's probably just not ready to play over a long stretch of football. And here you are trying to fight for a playoff spot. This is what happens when you lose your starting quarterback. And I think that Vikings history probably tinted the glasses a little purple with Josh Dobbs over the first couple of weeks. You're like, Oh, Keenum, I just saw this. Or if you're, or if you're really <laughs> old, you're like, Oh, Wade Wilson. And if you're really, really old, you're like Joe cap, like at any time there's this happening, but uh, that also opens the, the door to the question. Is it, good for them to make the playoffs or not because i read a mock draft this morning and i'll tell you what i saw but you know go ahead i saw one as well i think it was michael Penix at 20 i believe was the the one that i saw was was old michael Penix, the 25 year old stallion out of washington <laughs> he is pretty old he's I, 25 dude he's six years younger than me and i've been out of the league since 2019 <laughs> we're gonna have to dig up those old hendon hooker jokes that we were making yeah. last year you know well, I, I saw one that's like he's the same age as trevor lawrence lamar jackson and there was one other guy that like are all almost all on second deals <laughs> I, I think he might he might be older than justin jefferson yeah but hey if he can sling it Hey, you can sling it, man. I, I guess. I don't know. I, he's not that high on my board. I'll say that. I think he's, yeah, I think he's a second round pick. I, I got to watch yes. more and more of him. There is no mobility there. And there's also a lot of throws. Here's who I would draft is uh, for any other team that needs a receiver is the wide receiver from Washington. Uh, Roma Dunze. Yeah, uh, he's good. But anyway, the point is just it. It has to be asked, is it better if this just kind of goes sideways the rest of the way? Because they absolutely could still make the playoffs, but then you're not drafting very high. And I think what we got was a cold splash of water of, are you dangerous in the playoffs? Probably not. Not, not, not if it's going to be like this, not unless whoever your quarterback is goes crazy. And you have to look at who we'll be playing against. Like, I know we beat the Niners. I know we did. And everyone's been like, well, we could like, mm, they have figured their life out, 
right? And there's a stat out there that I believe they're 20 and two when Trent Williams starts for them, which is an insane stat, right? And it shows how much a difference maker like that guy can be. But, you know, you start looking at the top end of the NFC, and it's like, okay, so the Vikings squeak into the playoffs, right? They're right there. They just they bump themselves into that last spot. You're going to go play the Eagles, Dallas, Niners, like the elites of the NFC that are right now. Like, is it worth that? Or and yeah, the answer is yes. As a player, it's like, well, duh, we want to go to the playoffs, right? The answer is yes. But from a long-term perspective, I don't know if the answer is yes. Like, is getting a better draft spot, even three or four spots better, better than going and getting smacked against a wild card team. And I don't know. It's hard for me to just be like, oh, they're going to go get smacked. But when you watch a performance like last Monday night, and then you watch the Eagles versus the Bills, and then you watch the Niners, and you watch the Cowboys, it's it's a, just a different speed of football that is being played from those top-level guys. And I, I, I'm kind of in the camp of like, let's just ride this thing out. And if we win, we win great. But like, let's not start making huge rash decisions of like this huge playoff push because we think we can make a run to the Super Bowl if we get in. Right. I think that the making the playoffs would be about the vibes. It would kind of be like Seattle last year. So Seattle mm. started out pretty well. Uh, Geno Smith, you know, and they feel like they're going in the right direction. They were supposed to be really bad. I mean, I, I remember thinking that Seattle, after trading Russell Wilson, was tanking and that they were going to have a top draft pick. And they ended up making the playoffs. Now, if they had tanked and drafted C.J. Stroud, oh, uh, mm. never mind, never mind, never mind, mm. never mind, never mind. Uh, instead, they're a 500 team, basically, with Geno Smith, as one usually is with the 16th best quarterback in the league. But anyhow, the point just being that people came out of last year feeling like Seattle is a really sound franchise. They're in good shape going forward. They got a really good roster. And they're going to compete for years to come, and they'll figure out the quarterback position as they go. That would be how people feel about this Vikings team. Like, hey, you survived losing Kirk Cousins, losing Justin Jefferson for half the season. By the way, they went 5-2 and two without Justin Jefferson. Yeah. If the order was different, if they had won the last game before the bye week, but they lost a different one, you'd be like, wow, 5-2, and two, that's amazing. But instead, it's like, this is horse bleep <laughs> because they should have been, they would have won seven in a row. Uh, so that's always a funny thing too, is that if Josh Dobbs, second start was bad, but his third start was good, then we would have said, well, he's getting it. <laughs> and then instead it's like, <laughs> no, he's regressing. Like, I, I don't know. We, we do this all the time with the order of what we just saw and how much we overreact mm -hmm. to it. Uh, so the playoffs would come along with Kevin O'Connell is, you know, survived all this stuff that happened to him. It's good for the future and everything else. Uh, if you lose five games in a row, you draft better and everyone's going to hate each other. So there's like, how much of a trade-off do you care about that? But I'll tell you why I was thinking about this for not being better to make the playoffs is when I looked at this mock draft, it wasn't the one that you saw. It was uh, uh, Dane Brugler has the Vikings drafting 20th and taking a defensive tackle. Well, I do think they need a defensive tackle. Who? I who was it? Do you remember? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I saw a defensive yeah. tackle and I closed it out. No. I just Yeah, no. I but but here's the problem. He had, of course, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and now Jalen Daniels, who is now no longer my diamond in the rough. Uh he's <laughs> but and then nobody else in the first round, not Bo Nix, not Penix. Oh, oh, he had mm. McCarthy, which neither of you are. Stop. I, yeah, no, that's no, just no, stop. Nope, nope. No one draft McCarthy in the first round. Please, please, God, no. Mich no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. Michigan Jake Browning can go in the fourth round. But <laughs> it's uh, I, 
can I have their running back? Their running back is great. Ooh, He's good. Uh, yeah, that would be fine. But uh, that maybe in the third round. So anyway, uh, the point being is they might look at this. And I think Bo Nix has played really great this year. They might look at, at this and not have an option here. So that's the question, though, is what happens now at quarterback? Like, does this if they go to Mullins and he wins two out of these five games and they miss the playoffs, are, are we going back to Kirk? Because the way the draft is working out, like thing, all of a sudden things started pointing back. It was like, tur- like whoop, and back to Kirk Cousins we go. It's it's the it's the eight old the devil we know is better than the devil we don't, right? And the more you look around the league and you look at man, so they hit on Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, but like Will Levis, he kind of sucks. Got him in the second, right? Bryce Young was the first overall pick. He's really struggling, right? And you look on the league, like is it? is it worth taking a, a first round quarterback if we're not picking in the top 10? Like, is that worth the risk that comes with that? Or is it better just to be like, Hey Kirk, we missed you. We love you, but we want you for cheap and see if he bites. Right? Like, I think that has to be the along the lines of you can draft a quarterback in the second or the third and not feel like I have to start this dude right now. If Kirk cousins is still on your football team, right? If you don't sign Kirk cousins back and you draft one, even the second, He's going to start, right? It's going to do the old, it's going to do the, like, whoever we sign as some veteran backup is going to be like, it's his job. And then one game in, he's going to be bad and be like, no, we, we knew he was going to be the guy the whole time, right? I mean, it's the age old, like, we don't give it to rookies, but we do give it to rookies. I think the longer, the more games we win, the higher likelihood of us signing Kirk Cousins back gets, right? We, we win, we win three out of the last five, four out of the last five. We're, we're going to sign Kirk Cousins back because we're going to be in no position possible unless everyone's all on board the Josh Dobbs train again because he turns it around. But I just can't see a world in which we can forget the performances that we just saw from Josh Dobbs. And regardless of – I mean, he'd have to really light the world on fire for me to be able to be like, okay, that was a fluke. Now, that was a total fluke. But, like, we saw it in Arizona this year. I think the more games we win, higher likelihood we sign Kirk Cousins back and probably let Josh Dobbs walk, or we keep him here as a third and let them battle with a rookie and kind of see how that goes. This show is being brought to you by BetterHelp. Folks, the holidays are an exciting time for buying gifts and spending time with family, but you have to remember that sometimes the best gift is the one you can give yourself. If you're finding the holiday season tough on you, maybe the best gift is paying a little more attention to yourself, whether that's therapy or just finding time away from the holiday stress. If you are interested in getting someone on your side this December, you may want to check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com insider today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash insider. Folks, it's the holiday season again, and it is quite hectic. So let's admit it. It's not always very easy to eat nutritious meals. Well, 
I've got a solution for you. It's called Factor. It's America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, which can help you feel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tracking all of your holiday to-dos. Skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor. Choose from 35-plus weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences all delivered right to you, and you can cook within two minutes. If you're looking for calorie-conscious options over the holidays that also taste great, Try the dietitian approved calorie smart meals with less or around 550 calories per serving. And if you need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best during the holidays, try protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Head to factormeals.com slash purple 50. Use the code purple 50 to get 50% off. That's code Purple 50 at factormeals.com slash purple 50. Go there today to get 50% off. I don't want to brand overly brand myself as the Dobbs defender because like I, this has been from the moment they got him clear eyes on this. I am the one who started my career watching Ryan Fitzpatrick with Buffalo bills. And he went five and two to start a season. And everybody thought he was going to be the franchise quarterback. They mm-hmm. gave him, they actually mm-hmm. gave him, an extension after he started five and two the middle of the season, which doesn't happen. They gave him an extension and then he won one game the rest of the year. And then, and they went six and 10. Like I saw that happen. I saw the guy get that hot and that cold through a season. So that's, that's my comp for Josh Dobbs. It's like, he reminds me of Fitzpatrick where it could be wonderful and magical and everybody loves the guy and he's a genius, but there's limitations there. Uh, and there's a, a roller coaster there when it comes to Dobbs. But to me, he played well for three games. I mean, that's that's the, that's the weird thing is you went two and two and he played well enough to win in three out of the four games. And if he played well enough to win even three out of the last five games, it's about the best you can ask for. But that wasn't really the discussion. It, it was really more about Kirk Cousins. And I do feel like uh, if they make the change and they go to Mullins, the momentum goes majorly in the favor, regardless of what happens for Kirk Cousins, because it doesn't seem like th- there's going to be quarterbacks outside of that that top group. I also do think that there have been quarterbacks that are drafted outside of that top three, five, seven, who have become very good. Uh, and I mean, look, Mahomes and Josh Allen were not the number one picks. Can you mm-hmm. trade up from... 18 to the top 10. We've seen people do that. If you were trying to get uh, uh, Jalen Daniels and we've also seen Jalen hurts turn into at least, I don't, whatever people could debate how, I mean, Lamar, how good Lamar, he Lamar, Lamar, Lamar was, yep. I mean, Dak Prescott was in the fourth. Like it happens. The just, it's the percentage of likelihood, right? Is way down. Yes. Way, way yes. down. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree with that. And they might be in a position to start trading all this draft capital because they have a lot of young pieces in place. So this decision is not made, but I think the decision should be made right now already. What you're going to do with that position rather than say, well, if Dobbs plays well, we make the playoffs, then we don't bring back Kirk or uh, we will, if he takes this price or whatever, to me, I've already seen that movie many times before. uh, And 
we're reacting to this Dobbs game. What about Kirk against Carolina just a few weeks ago? Like we've done this with Kirk many times just to point out how difficult it is to uh, go week to week on quarterback evaluation. I think it should already be decided that it's going to be somebody else. But I also feel like that's going to be a tough sell, particularly in that owner's box as well. If they're watching bad quarterback play and they're saying, we miss Kirk, Quasey, bring back Kirk. Yeah, that that's the pressure of we miss Kirk. We miss winning games at home that we should win. Like, it's one thing to go to Chicago and lose. Like, that is, uh, I, for whatever reason, I've played there multiple times. It's hard to win in Chicago. It just is. But you don't expect that Chicago Bears team to come into your house in front of your fans on a Monday night football game and beat you the way they did. And those are the type of decisions. We talk about this in our agency a lot of when we're explaining to players, like the hierarchy of fear in a front office, right? The players are kind of wary and fearful of their position coaches of like getting them cut, right? Position coaches scared of coordinators, coordinators scared of head coaches, head coaches of the GMs, the GMs are the owners. But what people fail to understand, the owner's fear comes from the fans. That's where their fear comes from. That's where their realm of decision-making comes from. Underneath them, everyone's underlings. But when it starts coming and they hear ticket sales are down, jersey sales are down, what's happening? What's going on? What is it Josh Dobbs? What Bring back Kirk, right? Like all those things kind of start to swell in their minds of how do we keep the fan base happy and everything going around here? What am I reading on the internet? And this, that, and the other thing, that's where their decisions come down. And at the end of the day, they're the ones signing the checks. And so if they put the pressure on the GM, he's going to have to do it. And I do see a scenario in here where that is the exact case where things really go awry here and they go back and they go crazy. I don't care what you got to do. Number eight needs to be back in purple next year. Which also is another order of operations thing, because if he had gotten hurt in Carolina playing the way he was or in Chicago, uh, I think the yeah. final, the final impression would just be different, but he got hurt after two really great games of which he's played many times during his career. And the results have been the same, but they could talk themselves into as we so often do on the show, they could talk themselves into, well, our defense is fixed now. And our defense is good now. <laughs> and and our uh, we've got this young roster, and Addison's a star, and all we need is Kirk to just... And then you end up in that same position that you've been in for a really long time where you talked yourself into all those things happening. And what we know is defense from year to year can be volatile. And part of it is... Like the quarterback schedule that they've played has been extremely easy since the very beginning of the season. And this, I'm not saying that Flores hasn't earned it. It's been great. But you've played Justin Fields twice and Tyson Bajant was mixed in. Uh, you got Jordan Love before he was figuring it out. You know, Russell Wilson had a good game against you and he's not any good. So like, uh, you know, the, these, that the, you know, next year could be better. The, the opposing quarterback schedule could be harder. Like all those things that you're going to say, well, if everything's the same and then Kirk comes back, we'll be great. As you know, everything's not always the same. Uh, let's right. finish up on uh, love to see it, hate to see it. But first, why don't you just tell me how you think this plays out? Like how many wins do they end up with? I still think it's nine. I still, I still think nine's my number. I've, I've, stud, I've stood fast on that number since preseason. I can't vary now. I can't vary now. I'm still going to put my stamp on it's a nine-win season. Steadily fast, if you will. is uh, Steadily yes. fast. Yes. Isn't that funny? Like, we picked nine at the beginning of the season thinking we know all the things that are going to happen, and yeah. then all this crazy stuff happens It still ends up with nine. It's like <laughs> the whole history of the Vikings right there in one season. Uh, love to see it, hate to see it. Let me just start with uh, hate to see it. 
feel free to close out a game, Buffalo Bills. Any old oh, time now, gosh, any dude. at any point this season, when Jim Nance and Tony Romo are doing a game, or when it's on Sunday night or Monday night football, the Buffalo Bills botch every single one of those games, no matter what. Sometimes it's the refs. Sometimes it's Josh Allen throwing picks. Sometimes it's melting down on defense and allowing you know game-winning drives. Sometimes the opposing kicker in the rain kicks it from 60 yards. Whatever it is, a punt return for a touchdown earlier this year. I, the Buffalo Bills are the strength of a Super Bowl team that cannot close out the, of the final moments of a game. It's, uh, it is very sad, and you hate to see it. Yeah, I mean, great game. What a game. I mean, from a fan's perspective, to watch that game was incredible. And to have Josh Allen outplay Jalen Hurts, straight up outplayed him. I mean, the bad interception at the, there was tough, but like, and then to watch them lose that football game, that hurt. That, that one, that one stung the soul. Um, my hate to see it was I was at the Giants Patriots game this, this weekend and just hated the whole thing. Yeah. It was awful. It was raining. It was horrible and to throw another on it hate to see kickers missing 20 yard field goals for bill belichick that's never gonna be a good morning meeting when you're a special teams guy in new england and you miss a game-winning field goal after and i don't know i kind of hate this kickers that before they get iced kick it anyways right like so like new york giants go out there for the final game-winning field goal they blow it dable boom timeout the guy snaps it kicks it goes to the uprights cool they go line back up, snap it, kick it, wide left. Like I think that messes with kickers' minds almost a little bit. It's kind of like the practice swing with when you're when you're golfing, right? Like, oh, that was buttery, right? Like that was buttery, and then you step up and just burn, like right to the ground. Like I don't know, but I mean, Houston's kicker had the issue. The new, new the Patriots kicker had the issue, but overall, that game was just not fun to watch. Uh, yeah, that at least uh, the Vikings did not have the worst game. Of the week because nope. that, yeah, that was the worst game of the week. Uh, so I actually looked this up because the Bills coach, uh, Sean McDermott, tried icing Jake Elliott, who's just an absolute nails kicker. And of course, it didn't work. And he wasted a timeout that he could have used with 20 seconds left when they got the ball back, but then they didn't. Uh, and uh, McDermott was getting criticized for that. But uh, there's nothing to icing the kicker. Just just in general, like everyone who's tried to study it in a million different ways has never found anything. It's probably just that that guy's a rookie kicker and stinks, uh, or just freaked out a little bit in in such a huge moment of his <laughs> season. Uh, that's sarcastic. But I have to go with another hate to see it here. I just oh, just poor hater. just poor Bryce just just poor Bryce Young. I I think Dude. that Bryce Young can probably play National Football League football. But having seen it against the Vikings and then watched his wide receiver catch the ball and hop out of bounds like a crazy person. Did you see this? He was going, Jonathan Mingo was going to the sideline. The ball's coming. It's an easy catch. And, and you know, easy by uh, NFL standards. For some NFL reason, standards. the man throws his feet out of bounds. <laughs> and you're like, incredible. That was a very solid throw on the move. And what were you doing? And so uh, Frank Reich was a terrible fit for that operation. Their offensive line is painful to watch. They don't have any wide receivers and, and an offense that has no motions, 
Their screen game is brutal. They don't have a lot of play. I think they're 30th in play action, which of course is great for a rookie quarterback to have to ha- sit and drop back all the time. And I-, I think it will ultimately work out better for them. At the same time, the owner just firing every coach who doesn't win right away is not a great sign. Uh, actually, though, I, I kind of have to agree um, that it was probably time to just fire Frank Reich. But that roster is a mess. The whole situation is yes. a mess. I don't see who would want to work there. And this is where you go, is it the player? Is it the cir- the circumstance? And if Bryce Young survives this, I'll be very happy for him because this was just horrific. And don't don't forget, no, the Bears have your first round pick. <laughs> Right, like, don't forget, like that number one overall pick you may have is going to go right to Chicago, right? And so that's another terrible thing. And I do feel bad for Bryce Young because we're never going to know what he could be, and that that's a sad thing to say about a quarterback in the NFL. Of I don't know if we're ever going to see the potential which he could be in that situation, and it might take four years. But as we all know, the NFL doesn't give a lot of guys four years, right? If if they have another really terrible year next year, maybe next year and they're picking early again, it might be like, well, maybe we need a new quarterback. Like maybe, maybe it's time to try a different trigger man. And that's not fair to Bryce Young, but that's what happens. Shouldn't have been, should have been worse in college, I guess. I don't know. But my, my love to see it is the potential chaos situation of the college football playoff. Like I am so here for it, right? I want to see a six, one loss teams and like who gets in, who doesn't, right? Like Michigan's going to dog stomp Iowa. That's not going to be an issue. I don't know if Florida State gets past Louisville with no Jalen Travis, right? That's that's a toughie for them. That quarterback looked rough against the Gators, right? And then you go down the list, Ohio State, can Alabama knock off Georgia, which they should have lost to Auburn, but a great game. Right? And there's so many of these situations where it's like all these one-loss teams, Oregon, Washington, like it's going to be complete chaos, and I'm so here for it because there's going to be a very – very upset fan base somewhere that they didn't get in, right? Like, it's going to be like, what? how? Like, and then easily could play out where there's four undefeated teams, but I'm not rooting for that. I want the chaos. I want it all. I want to burn it all down. I want to see just the picket fences on fire in the college game day world. I'm here for it. Uh, the other, I hate to see it, might have been Auburn at the end of their game against Alabama, mm. which could have uh, booted Alabama out, but feel free to rush more than two. <laughs> At the quarterback, uh, that was that was a wild game. Oh that was my a gosh. very wild game. Uh, and also, the announcers didn't know any rules at the end of the game. It was it was <laughs> yeah. it was very weird. That was a strange one. But I I will end with a love to see it. Is this is this weekend my favorite Saturday of the year? The matchups that are coming up this week are just unbelievable, Fantastic. unbelievable in college football. I mean, including Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Washington, I cannot wait for. And how many punts will be in Michigan, Iowa uh, is, I I mean, you know, I was going to make it interesting. I was going to make it interesting. No, I'm throwing it out there. I I think think Michigan beats them by at least 17. I'm I'm going to throw it out there that uh, they can't score, dude. McCarthy's going to struggle. You saw the game against Penn State, right? The game against Penn State with Michigan, they barely survived. No. Harbaugh's back. Free Harbaugh. Harbaugh's back. Right. <laughs> They're coming off a big emotional win. He's up there quoting Ted Lasso. Like, Harbaugh's back, baby. They really need to dress a guy up on the sideline like he's in the FBI or whatever. Just uh, just for the like, just for the joke. Just just to look at, you know, 
just to make fun of it. But hey, I I thought that uh, love to see it was the Michigan coach after winning, not like losing his mind and swearing on television a bunch of times again. Cause I was like, pray for Jenny Taft. Like this yeah. guy's going to go insane on the sideline. <laughs> How is your game coach? <laughs> just the mute button in her other hand is ready to like, <laughs> <laughs> is it too much to tell Ohio state fans to just stop? Like those oh. people are lunatics. There's not, there's nothing mm. crazier than the college football fans that other than the Eagles. That's it. Yeah. It's the only yeah, NFL that, fan base. It's like a college. I'll end this with you. I hate to see it. The the Eagles fans, what they did to Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson on those guys from the Bills is to be expected. And I have my rookie, my rookie from the Giants. I was with his parents this weekend. I was like, listen, don't go to Philly. They're like, what? What do you mean? I was like, watch it from home. It's trust me. It'll be a better experience for everyone involved. And as a foreign player, I now knowing what that place is, only playing there twice. Now knowing what that place is, I would play better and play freer knowing that my parents and my loved ones were not in the stands because that place is not nice. And they're just mean. They're mean. They're violent. They say things that are extremely hurtful. And to have the back of my mind, like my dad and mom and wife are somewhere up there, like, no, it's just not a good place to go if you're a poison fan. Yeah, there are still the uh, horror stories from the NFC Championship game yes. from from players and their families yeah. and everything they went through in the stands. So uh, my yeah. dad got jumped on in the bathroom. What? Like, yeah, he was taking a piss and he had a he had a purple jersey on. Like I told him not to, and some fan like body checked him into the urinal. Yeah, that's a no no. Uh, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty rough. The, well, that there's a way to end the show. Uh, Boo Eagles, go yeah. by. <laughs> yeah, there you have it. <laughs> anyway, well. We'll see what happens, but the uh, the content train will roll on uh, during the bye week, and then we'll have to find out. We now have a quarterback controversy. It's the first time really since 2017 we actually had a quarterback yeah. controversy, so here we are. Jeremiah, always great stuff, and we will talk again very soon, my friend. See you next week.